Praise the Lord for the message in that song this morning. Beautiful job, ladies. Thank you for that. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. It's Christmas Eve, and uh, praise the Lord for the privilege it is just to have everybody gather together today and give the Lord glory on this special day and sing some special songs that we don't always sing. And it's a wonderful job everybody did, so thankful for that. And uh, hopefully, uh, since it is Christmas Eve, everybody's done with their shopping and all the to-do list. I'm sure there's several of you today that are probably going to leave here and go run a couple errands, most likely. Um, and, and maybe there's some kids here that are looking for something particular in the morning, or maybe some adults here that are looking for something in particular in the morning. And, and uh, we also have had those Christmases where we get a gift from somebody that we have to act like we really like it when we don't. Anybody ever had anything like that happen? Yeah. I got some help for you with that, okay? I got eight, eight steps. I'm going to give you the, 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 the least of, of, the, of the eight, and I'll give you the best one to end with. Now, if you're looking for responses in moments like that, the number eight, well, 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 now there's a gift. There's a, that's a good response for you. Um, just kind of leave it open there. Number seven, no, really, I, don't know, I didn't know that there was a Chia Pet tie. Oh, wow, it's a clip-on too, okay? Uh, that may have happened to you. Number six, you know, I always wanted one of these. Jog my memory, what's it called again? Number five, you know what? I'm going to find a special place to put this. Number four, boy, you don't see craftsmanship like that every day. That's another good response. Number three, and it's such an interesting color too. Anybody ever used any of these yet? Yeah. Number two, you say that was the last one? Am I glad you snapped that up? And then the number one response for you, you shouldn't have, no really, I mean it, you shouldn't have, okay? Let's all turn together, John chapter 1, stand together with your Bible this morning. We look here in John chapter 1, and the Gospel of John is a portrait of Jesus Christ and his saving work that he did for us, and it focuses on the last three years of his ministry and his life, and in particular, uh, there's a lot on the death and resurrection of Jesus, and we can find the purpose of this book that we're going to be reading, the first five verses of today, or 14 verses, excuse me, at the very end of the chapter, and it says, And many other signs truly to Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And this book was written to help people believe on Jesus and to help them find uh, what eternal life is and how they can get it. And as we look here in John chapter 1, we're going to see, I want to point out to you three things in the message of Christmas. And let's begin reading here in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light, that all men through him might be, believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. God, the privilege that it is to be here together this morning. And God, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, just meet with us. I pray that as we're here, that again, God, you can give us exactly what you have for us from your word, be with me as I preach, to say your message and your thoughts. Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified for the remainder of this service. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Christmas has been called the most wonderful time of the year. And tomorrow in our world, Christian nations have set this holiday aside where many people will not be working, many things will be shut down, many will be with their families or be uh, celebrating in one way or another. Parties will be attended, meals will be eaten, all because of Christmas. But we're also very aware this morning that the message of Christmas is quite a blurred one, isn't it? It's possible even for Christians in the time of Christmas, in this Christmas season, to get off track or to get off focus. We have our traditions, we have our special movies or programs that we'll watch, we make our trips, we go to our parties, we do our shopping, and we often get very consumed with all the activity and all the busyness and all the things on the schedule that have really fill all of our time. And as you do those things, we often forget the true meaning of Christmas or the true reason for Christmas, and And many people may live their life wondering, what is the meaning of Christmas? What is the, as they say it, reason for the season? What is this message of Christmas? And we find really that message in several places of the Bible. And today we find it in John chapter 1. But we know Jesus came for all of mankind. And that's where our focus has been today as a church. I think many of you would, would agree with me this morning that our world is getting darker and darker, isn't it? We live in a dark world. There's many people that experience trials and periods of darkness in their own personal life. There's many people living with a certain uncertainty. Or we we look around us and we look at many nations and different things going on around the world. We find people that are steadily moving farther and farther away from the truths that God would have us to live by. We look at Christmas and we're reminded every, every year in this Christmas season that Jesus came. And even though the world is full of hurt, even though the world is full of disappointment, even though our world is growing darker and darker, we have a hope that will never fade away. And the good news of Jesus and the good news that we speak about on Christmas exists for the joyful and the hurting. This message of Christmas is one that all need to hear. As we look at this message, I want to point out, first of all, the person of the message. It says there in the first verse, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John introduces Jesus as the Word, capital W. In that very first line of of, of the Gospel of John that you have. And to be clear, the Word is Jesus. John had come to see the words of Jesus and as the truth of God and the person of Jesus as the truth of God. He had much time experienced with Jesus and he knew him in such a way. He saw his coming, he saw his working, he saw his teaching, he saw his dying, he saw his raising from the dead all as the message of God. And when Jesus came down, he came down as the visible expression of the invisible God. Jesus came as God in the flesh as he read here in this chapter and it was God expressing himself in a way that all men could understand a life. It was God announcing to the world, I have come. 
You know, some suggest that John called in the Word because of all Jesus is. We know there's many names for Jesus. We know we, one we mention often this time of year, Emmanuel, meaning God with us, God coming down for mankind. He's known as the Lamb of God. He's known as the Alpha and Omega. He's known as King of the Jews. He's known, as he read this morning, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Bread of Life. He's known as the Redeemer. He's known as my son read out of Luke chapter 2, the, the Christ, the Son of God. He's the light of the world. The Word was Jesus. And as we look at our text in this person of Jesus, we, we read here in verse 1 that he's eternal. In the beginning was the Word. So Jesus was there in the beginning. This phrase is indicating in the beginning Jesus was there. That means he's always existed. Jesus, in eight chapters later from this moment, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And as he said those said that, some feathers were ruffled at the moment for him declaring his deity and, and his e- eternality. In verse 1, that the word was, was in, is, is written there in the imperfect tense, and that signifies an action of the past that continues into the present. So as we look, as we look at verse 1 there, we could read it this way, In the beginning was the word, is the word and always will be the word. That's Jesus. The word is eternal. He always has been, he always will be. The Bible says he's he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that word Jesus, the name Jesus, the person of Jesus, the word, existed before the manger. He was in the beginning. Before there was a world, there was Jesus. Before there was a man, there was Jesus. Before there was air to breathe, there was Jesus. Before there was a Christmas season, there was Jesus. He's eternal. But not only do we find him to be eternal, we also find that he is equally God. We look in the Christmas story and we have the description of everything that that went on in in this time. He was not conceived of an earthly father. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Many will try to argue that Jesus was just a man. He was just the the earthly son of Joseph or someone else. But Jesus is the son of God. He is God in the flesh. He He was conceived of the spirit. And if you try to believe anything else, you might as well not believe any of it. He is equally God. And the blood that was shed on the cross was the blood of God. The word translated word in this this verse is the Greek word logos. Logos. It refers to speech or a reasoning or explanation or a word about something. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is called the word or the expression because he's a visible expression of, in a visible thought, he's a visible expression of who God is. Everything that Jesus said, God said. Everything that Jesus did, God did. He's everything God is about but in a human form. If you look in verse 18, what do we find here in chapter 1? No man hath seen God in any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. That word declared is to lead out or explain or narrate. We get the word exegesis from that word declare. What, what, What is described there to us and given to us there is Jesus is the explanation or narration of God. He's the word. And as we read these things this morning, I understand that Jesus not only is the Son of God, but Jesus is equally God. It reminds us that the God we serve is a triune God. 
It's one God who manifests himself in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, the Word, is one of those manifestations. He is God. The statement there, and the Word was God, is the clearest statement of the deity of Jesus in the Bible. So not only is the Word co-eternal and co-equal, he just, he is God. That's why Jesus could say the things that he said. Jesus, later in the book of John, said, I and my Father are one. As a pastor, I could try to stand here before you this morning and say that same thing, but that's a lie, isn't it? There's many people in this world that could say, I and my Father are one, but if they said that, they would be lying. Only Jesus could have said that and been 100% accurate because Jesus is God. In John chapter 3, we find Jesus coming into this world, and it was described, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, and he sent the one who is eternally, equally, and essentially God, because nobody else could pay for the sins of mankind. We look in Luke chapter 2 when the angels spoke there to the shepherds and said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, one they've waited for, but not just the Messiah, but Christ the Lord, the Sovereign One, Jehovah God. Over and over in his ministry, Jesus proved who he was. I want to invite you to come back on, on Sunday mornings as we're continuing to go through the book of Luke and we've seen Jesus do many great and wonderful things. When Jesus said, peace be still, he was God commanding the, the, the seas to be still. When Jesus looked at the lame man and said, rise up and walk, it was God in the flesh with his authority telling him to do what only God could have him do. When Jesus stood there outside the, the, the grave as Lazarus had been dead for four days, he said, Lazarus, come forth, and as God could only do, he raised him from the dead and he came out. When he said, it is finished, he finished a work God could only do. The truth of his deity was on constant display in the Bible. In every word, in every deed, in every miracle, he declared himself to be God. He is the person of Christmas. See, the person of Christmas, the person of the message, excuse me. Secondly, this morning, the power of the message. It says there in verse 3, all things were made by him and without him, was not anything made that was made. I've never, I meant to have that baby doll gone, but I've never preached with a baby doll beside me. But as we look here at this manger, it's a picture of, of what that first day was, was like. And we, we picture Jesus, the baby in Bethlehem, when laying there in the manger, that was God. The baby in the manger was the all-powerful creator. Think, just, think for a moment of who that baby was. We, 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 we definitely, as we look at this story, it's a wonderful thing as God humbled himself to come down to dwell with us and to be with us. But we often overlook this aspect of the story that this, this baby, this, this human being that came down was God. And that, that baby, as helpless as he may have seemed and as dependent of, on his mother as he was, was also the all-powerful one. He made this world. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. He spoke it into existence. And we consider this morning that this verse is telling us that Jesus was the creator of the universe. His birth as a baby is even more amazing. I want you to hold your place here in John chapter 1, but also look with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. The creator humbled himself and became a creature of his own creation. God became dependent on a human mother. 
The creator stepped out of eternity, laid aside his glory, entered this world as a human baby. And he's the creator. You're not here by some random chance. You're not here this morning by, some, by a chance of evolutionary process. The universe and everything in it is the handiwork of God, of a creator. But we know that creator was also Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, for by him, verse 16, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. 17th verse, and he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. He's holding it together. He's spoken into existence. It's only because of him that they're there. There's not a single thing that exists apart from God. Many of you know this. We, we, last Sunday night, I preached and our family uh, packed up, got into the car. We drove to Indiana. We were there all week and left Friday night, got back here yesterday around 3 o'clock. And, and I, I enjoy the drive very much. Just see the landscape and, and going from West Texas through the Midwest all the way to Indiana, we see quite a uh, variety of sites. I, I've, I've, ever since we visited here the very first time, I've fallen in love with Texas. I love the big skies. I love the, the, the flat ground. I love everything about it. Uh, we look up in the sky at night. I was just this morning leaving here to come to the church. It was still dark out. The sun had not come up yet. And looking up and seeing the clear sky after a stormy day yesterday, what a beautiful sight it was to see those stars. We, we traveled uh, north, north through, up to Oklahoma, and, and uh, we crossed uh, the Red River there. We went through the mid Midwest, got to um, the place I grew up there in Missouri, went through St. Louis, saw the Mississippi. We get to Indiana, and it was snowing as we arrived. What a sight it was. Came back yesterday and we crossed back into Texas over the Red River, just like, just like the children of Israel crossing the Jordan into the promised land. Jesus did all that. All those things I saw and so much more. All the beauty that we have in this world, all of God's creation, none of it would have happened without him. We just read there in Colossians, for by him were all things created. The next verse he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Without the word, without the power, we wouldn't have it. He holds this world together. He's, he's the reason you are here. I want to encourage you, as we are reminded of who Jesus is and reminded of his power this morning, you can trust him. You need to trust him. You need to acknowledge him as he is, God. You need to worship him. You need to praise him. You need to pray through the name of Jesus. He's sovereign. Creator God in control. I was just read, doing a little bit of reading yesterday and came across Jesus' conversation with Pilate in John chapter 19. You know, Pilate looked at him and he said, do you realize that Jesus said, do you realize I have the power to do whatever I want? Pilate said, do you realize I have the power to either free you or crucify you? He said that very clear to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Pilate could release him, but Jesus said, you couldn't do that unless I gave it to you myself. It's because of me you're up here. It's because of me you're doing what it is you're doing. He is the powerful creator God. And if you are a child of God this morning, 
That creator God, that the one that came as a baby, is your God. He came for you. And he wants you to know this morning, whether you are his child or not, he is enough for every difficulty in your life. There's power in the message of Christmas. See, the person of God, we see the power of the message. And, thir- and the third thing, the purpose of his message. The purpose of the message. The question is often asked, why Christmas? There's many people tomorrow they are going to celebrate that might wonder where, th- where this holiday even came from. It's hard to believe in the world that we live in, people would think that, but there are. There's people in America today that have no idea who Jesus is. Many people are celebrating something they, they know nothing about. Why, why do we have Christmas? Why, why did God come to earth? Why did God show his power in such a way? Why do we make such a big deal about Christmas every year? Why did he come? There's two great needs. We look here in verse 4, it says, in him, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it. There's two great needs. The first need that every one of us had was the need for life. And it tells us in him was life. When Jesus came to this world, he entered a world full of dead men. But the thing is, the dead men and women don't know that they're dead. I read a story this week about a farmer that was trying to teach his son the ways of life on a farm and they were going to have chicken for dinner and back in those days if you wanted chicken for dinner you had to kill the chicken yourself. Has anybody ever done that? Anybody? This father took his son out and said son your mama wants chicken for dinner so you know what we have to do and he laid the chicken down as, as they would and gave his son the axe and told him what he needed to do and they cut the chicken's head off and as the chickens often do the chicken jumped up and down and sometimes ran around flopped around many different things it's very entertaining the little boy's eyes got wide with amazement and he looked at his dad and he said daddy look at that that there is a chicken that is dead and don't even know it <laughs> that's exactly the way lost people are we look in Ephesians chapter 2 Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus describing the experience that they had and what happened to them as they put their faith and trust in Jesus. And he said, and you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And we understand being dead in those sins, what our life was like and who was in control of that life and all the things that had been given into. And you look in verse 3, among whom we also had our conversation in times past and the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others, verse 4, two great words we find in this passage, but God. When all men were dead, God did something about it. Who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Without him you're dead. And everyone in here that's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, without him, that those times without him in your life, before you knew him, you were dead. Because what does the Bible tell us in in Romans chapter 3? For all have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God. We are going to miss the mark every time we try on our own. A few chapters later it says for the wages of sin is death. Nothing we can do about that. 
When we were dead, Jesus came down so that dead men could live. And when a dead lost man meets Jesus, Jesus himself said he's, he's passed from death unto life. You know what Jesus said about this? He said in John chapter 5, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Jesus gives life. You know what he has for you in your life? He's first of all the strength to live it. What did Paul say? In, in my weakness then am I strong. Jesus said... That strength is made, his strength is made perfect in weakness, is what Paul said in that book. Our theme for the year, Zechariah, we understand in chapter 4, verse 6, he says, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. It's only by the spirit of God and the power of God things could be done. Jesus has everything you need to live this life. Doesn't matter how difficult it may be or how hard it may be, he's the strength to live life. He's not just the strength to live life, he's the reason to live life. Someone once said there's three things that make life worth living. A self fit to live with, a faith fit to live by, and a purpose fit to live for. And because of Jesus, we can have all three. Emmanuel, God with us, came to this world. And as we've gone over so many times in the book of Luke, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as he came seeking all of mankind, he then, in John chapter 10, says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He came to bring life to the dead. And he came to give us reason to live the life. He's given us a purpose. And as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, that they which listen that henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. If you're saved, if you're a child of God, that life's no longer yours to live. There's a new reason for living. Yeah, I love thinking through the Christmas story, and we, we mentioned it last week, last Sunday morning, of the shepherds. These average men or below average men, some may say, that were there in the field keeping watch. For 400 years, they'd waited for the Messiah to come. He still hadn't. The angels came to those shepherds, told them, I give you good tidings of great joy. That's not just for you, it's for everybody. The Savior's been born. They went, they, they found him in the manger. They worshiped him. And then what did they do? They went and told others. They had a story to share. I have no doubt that that experience that we read about in Luke chapter 2 changed those men's life and direction for the rest of their, of their life on earth. What about the woman at the well? Jesus went there through Samaria, waited by the well. He met this woman that nobody wanted to have anything to do with. He told her of a living water. What did she do? She accepted him and she went and told everybody about this man that told her all things she did. She knew he was the Christ. Meeting Jesus changes our purpose. It should change our purpose. He's not just the reason to live life. He's also the source of life, of eternal life. The Bible says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The book of 1 John says, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Real life, abundant life, joyful life is only going to be found in knowing God through his Son, Jesus.
The first great need was life. The second great need was light. As we open, we mentioned a dark world that we live in. And Jesus came to be light to that world. Verse 5 says, the light shineth in darkness. John chapter 8, verse 2, Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. Verse 9, look at, look at that in chapter 1. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world knew him not, and the, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Do, do you agree with me today that Jesus is the light? He's the light of verse 5, he's the light of verse 9, he's the light that we find in several different other places in the Bible. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, not only are you spiritually dead at this moment, but you are spiritually in darkness. But Jesus came to change that. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He became to deliver all lost from the darkness. That three other passages, Ephesians chapter 5, Paul wrote, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world. Walk as the children of light. Next chapter 26 is this to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And in Colossians chapter 1, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. God came to, to give all men and women an opportunity to get out of the darkness. He came as that first light. You know, God, at the beginning of time, the beginning of creation, stood and said, let there be light. There was a day where there was no light. God spoke, that changed. There's a day in my life as a six-year-old boy where I was still in darkness. Might not have been able to tell by looking at me or being around me, but without him, I was in that darkness. And there was a day where I put my faith and trust in Christ and that light came into my life. I think almost all of you, hopefully all of you could look, think of a time in your life where you passed from that darkness to light. I love how Paul described it in 2 Corinthians. He says, for God who had commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts. And as your light, he, as, as he came to this world as the light, he did two things. He first of all revealed the way. He created light and he came as the light. But he, he didn't just light the way, he is the way. It's not just what Jesus did, but it's what he does. I love John's use in the, in the present tense there in verse 5, the light shineth in darkness. So Jesus came to be a light to show lost how to get out of darkness and how to get to God. But he's, he's, he also is the light shining in darkness, present tense, it's happening right now. He's actively bringing people from death to life and only by him can it be done. And John chapter 14 tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He doesn't just show the way, but he is the way. Can I remind you this morning or tell you this morning, even though he came as the way, not everyone sees the way, do they? There's five speaks of the world and 
certain people comprehending it not. That means to lay hold on or to claim one for oneself. Didn't change anything about who Jesus is. Doesn't change anything about what he did. But it tells us that there's a certain decision every person must make. The light that shone brightly in eternity past. The light that was found in Bethlehem's manger. The light that shined for 33 years while Jesus was on this earth. The the light that was there on Calvary. The light that shone brightly three days after the tomb. Will continue to light the pathway toward eternity for any who desire to follow him. He has come. And every individual must look to him on their own. I want to ask the guys in the back to go and dim the lights here a little bit for us. We understand as Jesus came, he came as our light. The world was dark, and he came to bring that light. We'll turn our light, your lights on in just a minute. I want to remind you again of John chapter 8. It says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We understand this morning, even as we turned off some lights, light and darkness are opposites. But they are not opposites of equal power. Light is stronger than darkness. Because as soon as that little bit of light is let in, the, that darkness begins to dwindle away. One, one little light in a room can get rid of a room full of darkness. We all understand this morning there's still darkness around us. We understand that today. You know, Jesus was born because God saw deep darkness in this world. That darkness is there and manifests itself through crime and sin and tragedy, disasters, all, all the things that we find in biblical times. But we still find those things today, those same things that Jesus came for, we still have. So we need Jesus and God as much as any generation ever has. We need Jesus just as much as they did 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. You're always going to need God just as much as you're always going to need food. So I encourage you this morning, be sure you know him. If you don't have him, if you, if you don't know him as your savior, you're, you're still in that darkness. But for those of us that do know him, we can be part of the light as Christians. You know, the only Messiah was Jesus. The only one that could be a savior was the word that we read about this morning. But he's not the only one that can be light. He is the light. And as his light entered into you, you are now a light. Jesus spoke to a group of people in Matthew chapter 5 and he says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Then he says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know what Jesus said? He told his disciples that they can bring light to the world by following him. And just like them, every one of us can carry the light of Jesus. 
You can carry that light and you can be a bright light by living right. By speaking of Jesus, by treating people as God would have you to treat them. By sharing the gospel. And as you live the life that God intends for you to live, his light can shine around the world. I want to have my boys here in the front go ahead and stand up. They're going to walk down the aisle quickly here. And if anyone does not have a candle, he wants you to have it now, okay? If you don't have one yet, every kid can have one. We want everybody to have one. Make sure you catch their attention. I want to go ahead and dim these lights a little more up here. One light makes a difference. Let's go ahead and everybody can kind of, if you twist the bottom of this, it'll turn on there, tighten that. One light makes a difference. And every time another light was turned on, it's just that much brighter around us. I want you to make sure of a couple things here. I think it'd be good for us to think of this in a little bit of application. I think it'd be good for all of us to search our hearts at this moment and make sure you know you're saved. Have you passed from death unto life? Jesus came to bring you life. Jesus came to bring light to your heart. If you've never accepted him, I want to encourage you to, to consider that.